everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 25, How to Cut Your Own Hair During a Pandemic. Hello, Big Chillians. Welcome back, as always, to The Big Chill Podcast. Joined by Sam and Eddie. Sam, how's it going over in London Town? London Town's good. Actually pretty excited for the uh, COVID restrictions getting eased up uh, from Monday. So it's we can actually meet people outside, like a group of six. A couple of places are opening up. Uh, uh, only outside, though. Only outside, although you're allowed to meet in a private garden. So not far off the kind of like but uh eddie going the opposite way for you yeah the prime minister of france today kind of it's not an official not an official statement but basically saying things are not trending in the right direction so stricter measures may be needed i think people are in general just ignoring the current (laughs) measures so it's not necessarily that stricter measures are required it's just that they need to be enforced Speaking of the London town thing, this is an interesting question. Did you ever hear the expression London town before that Estelle song, American Boy? I feel like um, there was a just two touchdown or three in period. London town. Yeah. yeah. And then I felt yeah, like for two or three years, town. everyone said London town or like when they were on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, they got a post like either just touchdown in London town or whatever, like something. <laughs> Who along are you asking? Lines. Are you asking the guy from Both Arizona or the guy in London? The guy from let's go for the guy from London. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I did. London Town. I used to call it Foggy London Town, which I think used to be like a Victorian thing of calling it Foggy London Town. But, uh, or it might be in a nursery rhyme or something. But I know it used to be called Foggy London because of the smog, hence why it's called the Big Smog as well. So, fun facts all around. (laughs) But did you add the town yourself, or is that also part of this nursery rhyme? So, are you asking if I mixed? The Estelle song. With are you gonna a every time? Right, hold on a second. Every time we ask you need a, a lot question, of clarification. Yeah, you always. It's not. You're not giving like <laughs> testimony before Congress right now. You don't have to always preface it with a excuse. Good uh, Are you I'll asking have me this? To, um, I'll have to get back to you on that question. Yeah, you, it's a shame we're not like going to do a video version of this. But you can do that thing where you like lean back to consult your lawyer and then come back. <laughs> I cannot answer that question at this time. <laughs> Plead the fifth. Yeah, you guys um, stricter measures. You guys yeah. you should, should come to Arizona. We're opening up completely. You know, well, I think that... what, what might have helped if I'd been in a place with less strict measures the other night at around I guess 1230, I think it was Monday, no Tuesday night, I got a little bit bored. And I obviously <laughs> haven't had a real haircut since September. And so I decided, to, I decided like, how hard can it be <laughs> to cut your own hair? You cut your own hair. Wait, wait, okay. wait, wait, wait. For all our listeners, I need to preface this that I've probably seen Eddie's hair four times in my life. So I Three wouldn't even know what sex. his haircut looks like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I promise you when you're about to see what it looks like now, didn't look like that before. So, oh my God. Wait, so I started, I'm so excited. Are we going to have a so reveal? I, yeah. So I started cutting it and uh, I started like- You I tried cut it using, yourself. Yeah, this is me entirely just in the mirror and had like professional scissors, like hair cutting 
a kit, not just How did like you, kitchen. A haircutting tit. What's a haircutting kit, tit? Kit. It's like kit. a bird. Oh, that's oh really like a uniform. You had a, you had a haircut uniform. No. Um, <laughs> so I, I first tried that. And the thing is, I'm left-handed, right? So actually using them in my left hand was fine in the sense that even in a mirror, I could guide myself pretty well. But they were right-handed scissors. So they didn't cut anything. So then I had to put them in my right hand and then trying to guide my right hand in the mirror, the combination of it not being my favorite hand and then being reversed, it was a struggle. And the more likely event was I was going to cut one of my other fingers off like this is. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to get my clippers out and I'm going to trim off the like longer bits and then cut. And that started to go okay but I basically couldn't do the back of my head. So that went just to full mullet. Like this is, oh this what is what I got. What are you doing? <laughs> are you like Chris of... Waddle? Are you like Chris yes. Waddle in the Oh 80s yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris Waddle would have loved my haircut. And then, <laughs> and then midway through, um, I got some, got some help to do the back and sort of got it all cut down. And I was like, I, just cut, cut the bits and pieces off. And then I'm just going to, it was mostly the sides and the back that were super long. I didn't care so much about the top. So at that point I was like, if you can just cut all the long pieces off, then I'm just going to take the clippers and do like a number three on the sides and the back. And I can do that myself pretty easily. So that worked. Oh my God. And then when I went to shave the side of my head, I had the wrong settings. Yes, so I, I know I, where it's classic. going. You had to. Classic. Oh no, this is going lowest common denominator, isn't it? <laughs> so I went, I went looking in the mirror, not really paying attention, just went zoop, and no hair, a whole way up the side of my you, head, just oh my hair completely gone. And so then I kind of looked at myself and I was like, either I leave this massive patch, which is kind of impossible to explain and then also the hair i don't know when it grows back it's gonna be all all different things is this like a mahomes un undercut like bushy undercut you got going oh, i think it's all gone patrick mahomes is what i said ended up happening now to call it a is patrick that, did mahomes, you think did you think about that though like i'm gonna do like the really tight on the sides like kind of like undercut but because of your hair it's gonna more look like a frank, bushy mahomes frank so, have you not heard him for the last five minutes of course he didn't think that. no i didn't think through anything i just thought <laughs> i just thought there's two there's two options here one is either leaving it or taking it all off the other option I obviously had was to just shave my entire head, but I was like, I don't want to do that. So I just shaved all around the sides and the back. Now to say it looks like Patrick Mahomes, I'll say this before it comes out would be an insult to Patrick Mahomes. I say I'd look more like, uh, like someone from the middle ages. It's probably a fair, if you can picture. Uh, what know? about what's, what about, what about Peaky Blinders? Does it kind of look like that? It doesn't, it doesn't because there's no, I didn't do any like fading or shaping to the top. So it doesn't sound like it either. It is literally just a, a like bunch of hair on top and the sides of the back are so, shaped. So obviously your girlfriend's helping you at the moment. So uh, the final conclusion. <laughs> no, former, former girlfriend. Former this, girlfriend. That, was, that was the end of that for her. <laughs> She didn't sign up for the kind of looks like Patrick Mahomes, but way worse. Cut. Yeah. I mean, can we sign see up it? for? Yeah. Wait, wait. First, can you? <laughs> oh, 
You look like a little kid. Oh my god! I you look like the fourteen-year-old king of France in the fifteen hundreds. Yes, I told you medieval. I told you medieval. <laughs> you do. No way. No. Believe. <laughs> It's Philippe the Fourth ready to take on the English. <laughs> no, it looks super medieval. And then also the, Sam, the problem. Sam, that is so classic. He looks like when you see those those paintings of those really yeah. ugly More like French Saigon. like aristocrats. Yeah, no, it's it's super medieval. You know, the thing is, so it's also even looks more medieval because like it's not straight at all, right? Like there's bits that are a little bit longer <laughs> and stuff. Um it looks like okay. a toupee. The other thing it's is, it's like yeah. a poorly fitted toupee. <laughs> the other thing I've got to say is, you know, over time, I don't hate it. It's kind of grown on me. Oh, oh my I god! I hope it grows on you. I hope it keeps growing on you. <laughs> oh my days! Oh, yeah. I tell good. you what, I'm, I'm just going to say it right now, right? There is something slightly different, even with your hat on at the yeah, side. Yeah, because there's no I hair did here. Think, yeah, yeah, I did yeah. think something. Oh, my God. Oh, that is funny. So oh, at man. this point, you still don't want to say, maybe I should just go full buzz cut? Like proper like Breaking Bad, Brian Cranston no. style? No, because, I mean, I don't really see anyone, right? Because I'm on, under lockdown. So I'm going to have to assess the situation in like three weeks. Maybe in three weeks, then you have a, a, a great Patrick Mahomes undercut working. Yeah, hopefully in three weeks, I can go to a hairdresser and they can hopefully. try and fix the damage that I've done. Hopefully what? in three weeks, hopefully in three weeks, Sam, the glue from the toupee loosens and you can take it off. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. No. <laughs> I, I even in my head think i know the medieval painting i've seen that it relates to <laughs> like i'm gonna find it it's got a lot of fleur de lis on we need we need yeah, to I mean, get him that like crazy collar that oh yeah the, the shakespearean style collar yeah i think <laughs> yeah. that's too that's too late for him too late he's like yeah he's like 1400s like He's almost Battle of Agincourt style French aristocrat. Yeah, I think Agincourt is a good comparison. I feel kind of like I could have been an extra in that Timothy Chalamet movie, you know, The King. Oh yeah. Like I yeah. I could have I could I could just walk onto set now. I mean, you could easily be an extra on Game of Thrones with that. Yeah, if only what we're does, still on TV. Uh, what is Well, they're coming out with five new ones, so. Um, you know, so far the feedback has been more positive than I would have expected. It does make people laugh. Um, but in general, people would be like, you know what? It doesn't look as bad as I thought it was going to look. Have been told that I look like a vegetable, like I'm a, like a carrot. And then I just have the, you know, like the top of the carrot oh, yeah, that's on my head. One. That's good. That's good. You should, you should dye it green and then you could really go for that. Yeah. But you know, honestly, I know this sounds weird, but I've never in my life had, I've basically had the same haircut my entire life, I think, yeah. pretty much, you know, with mild variations, but fundamentally, same cut. Go to a hairdresser, no matter what, and just say, like, just cut it the kind of this way. You can probably picture what it needs to be, just shorter. And it's actually the first time in my life I've done anything weird with it. So at least that was a little bit of novelty. Yeah, that's true. 
Oh man. <laughs> I've done, see, I'm surprised you did it yourself. That's the surprising part. I would yeah. never risk cutting hair myself. I was just bored. Well, I get that, but I mean, I'm bored too, but you don't see me just fucking buzzing my head off. <laughs> Maybe you should try it. <laughs> I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Stick to the head. <laughs> That's I mean, the worst that could happen. Close to the worst. <laughs> I mean, you this could is what regress happens 700 years. <laughs> when you take bars away from me, this is what happens. Uh, uh, no. But yeah, okay, imagine, good time I, to do it. Good time to do can't it. Can't imagine what your family's thinking like, oh man, Eddie's reached the low, guys. He's they don't cutting know. his own hair. I've not, I've not told them or shown them. So that's now they, they're the going to be super concerned yeah. when they see that. The yeah, they're going to be hold. worried about it, especially as you started writing your name on the walls and shit. <laughs> like they, think, they think you've I'm gone not, off the deep end. I'm not Howard Hughes. Or <laughs> the, 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 no, you are no Howard Hughes. I wish. The, the only fear I have, right, is I'm obviously supposed to be starting a new job in a month. And just hoping that I don't have to hop on any Zooms in the next two weeks. That would be the only. For my existing job, I can wear a hat on a Zoom and no one thinks anything of it. But I obviously can't, like, new company, new Zoom, just be there in a baseball cap acting as if everything's normal. So that's the only. Either that or I have to, like, Zoom, like, with it set like this. (laughs) (laughs) Like it, your looks like, it looks like your head's been distorted. So it's, yeah. like, it's like doubly amount of forehead. Eddie, we can't see your head. Can you can you move the screen up a little? So, sorry, guys, <laughs> my my laptop screen doesn't move. Yeah. <laughs> it's fixed. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the the cutting it the cutting it yourself is is a bold it's a bold strategy. Cotton, let's see if it pays off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not going to be able to see very well. <laughs> Now you, who knows, you might grow to love it and keep it. Honestly, if I'd been right-handed, I think it would have, or had left-handed scissors is the alternative. Um, I think I would have been okay. I think I could have just done the trim. With my left hand, just with scissors, I was, I don't, it would have looked like I cut my own hair because it, would, it wouldn't have been, it would have been a little bit raggedy in parts, but I think I would have got away with it. It was the moment when I realized that I'd already taken a couple chunks out with the scissors of just trying to hack away with the left hand. And then that's when I kind of decided I felt like if we were playing poker, it was unreasonable. I just stuck like three chips in and then someone's raised me and I've just gone, well, I may as well go all in. Like that was, <laughs> like, there was, there was no the need level for of it tactically. It was just like, well, if you're going to call me, I guess all in on a pair of twos. Why not? I mean, Edward Scissorhands basically. Yes. True to name. Yes. Yeah. I used but. to cut my friend's hair in high school. And I, I did the same thing accidentally once, but he kind of had more of like a buzz cut all the way. So it wasn't too, it wasn't the worst of things. It just went from like a three to a one, you know, it, you know, made him look slightly chemo ish, but I was, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing too, is like, there's at least now some shading coming back in, but the day I did it it in one day, (laughs) uh, two two days. The sides in the back sh- first. You should shave in like a symbol, like the Nike tick or a swastika. Yeah, I think give- <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, think, I think I'll give that a miss. Well, the Nike tick, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I'll, yeah I'll, I'll think about the swastika. <laughs> but now, uh, I mean, maybe I'll be like Joe Marler, right? And just start 
doing all sorts of weird stuff, dyeing it and he must do it himself. It never looks like it's professionally done. For I mean, I think if, if rugby you player went plays to someone, for England and Harlequins. If you went to someone, I think they could manage it. it because be you funny had, then, though. They could you haven't it. completely ruined it because it's it's just an it's just a really bad undercut right now. With some styling on the top, you could make it like a more respectable undercut. But see, that's actually the thing. We spoke in the past, right, when we were talking about Cheltenham, in that I like Peaky Blinders, and I like the fashion from Peaky Blinders, but I don't like how popular the fashion from Peaky Blinders has become. And as like someone who like has always liked flat caps, I hate that Peaky Blinders has made every you know, man between the ages of like 15 and 35 wear a flat cap on a regular basis. And at the same time with the undercut, if I had this done well, I would just look like I was trying to have a Peaky Blinders haircut. Whereas as I have it done badly, it's an amusing medieval haircut. And I'd actually rather have the amusing medieval haircut than the well done Peaky Blinders. If you want to use the logic like that, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I I think the undercut's a little more popular than just being from Peaky Blinders. (laughs) No, no, I know. But the severity of this undercut, because literally because it has, it's not, it's like shaved sides lots of hair on top it's not like a fade with an undercut you know what if it never grows back that's it (laughs) then i'll probably go to a doctor because i'd be concerned (laughs) (laughs) um but if it just never grows back then just have to learn to love my medieval self i'm all for medieval eddie i think i can make it work brilliant look I think it's a brilliant look. I'll just walk around with like a turkey leg in my hand at all times, just yelling at people to go till their fields. What a lovely surprise for the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's, that has made my month. You have to appreciate I sat on this for 48 hours just so that I could reveal it to you now. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate the appreciate uh, love for the content and love for the podcast. Has it given you any luck? Have you found in the last couple of days some bets have come in, or you feel I like haven't had any, so or? so I haven't placed any, so then haven't lost any, I guess. So yeah, there's been some luck. Um, no, I haven't noticed any difference in my life. My head's been colder. <laughs> I have noticed, but apart from that, no. Now on a previous. I think actually on the last episode, right, when we were speaking about, we were doing our little reaction to the Wales-France Six Nations match. Frank, one of the things you said was how much you like the fact that the referee is mic'd up and that you can hear them interact with the players. Yes. And I thought it was fitting then. Normally we're in no NHL content until the playoffs, but I will break that rule because this week saw a referee get in trouble for a hot mic situation. Yeah, I saw this. Which NHL, the NHL has now fired referee Tim Peel after he said that he gave a, well, he was, he said on his hot mic that he was giving a penalty because he wanted to. Um, The implication being, I think that he felt like he was leveling up I think that's the storyline I've kind of heard. That I, I haven't heard any allegations that he was trying to fix the game in any way or any kind of gambling side to this, but heard it more that he felt like he was trying to kind of respond to a previous decision that had been made and kind of level the level the game up after a previous penalty. 
yeah, it was something like he wanted, was it Nashville or something like that? I don't know. I don't know the actual team, but it was like he wanted to give them a penalty early. And it kind of felt like, you know, when uh, like a premiership referee knows that a team maybe does something a little bit dirty or something and they want to kind of stop it very quickly and they know they're onto them. It, that's how I interpreted it. Is that- yeah, I mean, the, the, the quote's not great, right? The quote is, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early. Yeah. Yeah, the the tone of it really doesn't help the case. But I feel like a lot of people try to stamp out bad play or foul play or a certain way of doing things early. Like what we said about the Chiefs, right? And the holding. Yeah, um, and, and, and that's where I have the question. Like, should he be fired for this? Well, it comes across to- badly. Yeah, but the other issue is he's not the greatest of referees. And this could have just been like the icing on the cake. Um, I agree. I, it's, if if there was no preempt, preemptive, like, well, he's bad, you know, this is it, then it is pretty – I think it's a little drastic to fire a referee off of that one thing. You suspend them and, you know, make sure that they realize that you can't really do that. But then I think there is also – not so much in hockey, maybe, but there are sports because isn't maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like rugby, it's like an accumulation of infractions that start to add up to something. Right. So there is some yeah. sort of this like give and take where it's, you know, I'm going to give them this one early to set the tone because they're known for having these types of infractions or they've had a bunch already. I'm going to give them one. And then the next one I'm going to give again right away. You know, so in hockey, that's not as much. It is a little bit, but you don't see calls being made because of an accumulation of smaller error, like, uh, like plays. But I mean, there are other sports that do do that, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Rugby, football, is in soccer. A referee will regularly give a penalty, not a penalty, a yellow card or a foul in particular because they feel as if. Uh, it's the result of multiple infractions, not just for the single event. And you'll regularly see, like in the Premier League or in any other football, a referee warning a player, or when they give the yellow card, they do the kind of point, as in like, it's not just for this one, it's for that one, that one, and that one, as they as a kind of randomly gesture to different points on the field to try and remind the, the, the player exactly where he's committed the previous fouls. Um, and I don't see anything wrong fundamentally with the referee going into a game thinking, oh, there's a real issue with this type of play with a team and I need to set the precedent early on so that they know this isn't the game I mean, to do that. Like I can I can get a referee having that plan almost. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously you, you said it's like a hot mic, so it obviously turns on and everything's then loud or listened to. Was there any point before that? Because it's quite easy to take this out of context, right? Was there anything he had said before that's recorded where it's like, you've done this, do it again, and this happens? Then he can go back to that and say, well, I did tell them I wanted to give them a penalty earlier, but you know, it wasn't recorded or something like that. I don't think so, because it was pretty early. And he makes the statement of not saying that he wants to give that player a penalty. It's wants to give Nashville the penalty early. I'm I'm a little torn. It's a pretty easy one to fire. It's a pretty easy person to fire, though. I think that's probably the unfortunate thing for a referee is that no one's going to, like, it's not like a team is going to be 
like proportionately affected because this referee is no longer playing, uh, no longer officiating. It just feels like an easy thing to do in the name of like maintaining impartiality. Uh, it's a referee, kind of like meh. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I can I can also understand with a sport, it's the fear that in any way this gets linked back to say gambling. Um, and obviously, the NBA has been previously rocked by a officiating scandal where multiple referees were involved in helping overs overs to hit and betting on them themselves and stuff. So I can understand the immediate fear of not wanting to be in a situation where it looks like anything is fixed. You almost feel like I'd, I'd be interested in his explanation, which I don't think I've seen anywhere, but I would be interested in just him trying to say, why did you and i would also like to know if any other referee like a former nhl official came out and said oh we say stuff like this all the time like this is normal conversation that is had amongst officials you just don't normally hear it and it might just be like oh yeah i wanted to make sure they got one early or whatever is something that they always do and it just so happens he was the unlucky one to be caught on mic so switching gears a little bit eddie now i know you're in lockdown right now and it's made you do some really depressing stuff like cut off your hair and everything, but there might be hope at the end of the tunnel for you because on one of the Instagram accounts I follow the Emily in Paris show has done so well and Americans are so enthralled with this expat Parisian life that they are currently casting for a real life American expat in Paris, like reality TV show. I will read you what the casting call says. Your favorite high-end cable network, along with an Emmy award-winning production company, is now casting for a new lifestyle documentary series that captures the fun and fabulous lives of larger-than-life American expats living in Paris, France. Think... Sex in the City meets Emily in Paris with emphasis on the Paris. I thought they were gonna say sex. That would be yeah, great. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it says here are the here are the deets. We need American expats who are fun, passionate, and outgoing between the ages of 21 and 35, captivating career, unique personality, lots of social media influence, interesting backstory, dot dot dot, all a plus. Did they say deets or did you do that? They said deets. I'm out. I say, <laughs> like, I, most people, I mean, most people say deets. I say tails. That's a parks, parks and rec reference. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I, there's a number of things going against me there. I would love that in some respects. However, obviously I'm not actually American. So strike number one. My life, whilst it might be interesting and I think could be turned into a decent reality TV show, like if I, if I leaned into certain aspects, right, it's in no ways fabulous. That bit is, that, that bit's off the table. And I also have no social media influence. But apart from that, I think I meet all the requirements. I do live I think, in Paris. Emphasis on Paris. I think me there in 2012 2013 would have been prime for an emmy for an e e reality tv show 
wouldn't have been again not fabulous this is the issue because i think what they want i can picture the friends that i have who would be suitable for this and i know friends who live like on instagram a fabulous paris life and i they would be perfect but i'm not in that you know like all the places i like to go they want someone right who goes for tea and uh, goes and buys their macaroons and then wanders around the Seine and then goes into some or that's life. what they think they want until they yeah, see they... the debauchery of the VDs at yeah, until they go to on downstairs in the VD. <laughs> They're like, wait, scrap this, guys. We got a better idea. Emphasis on the sex. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think mine would be better. I think mine would be the better show. And I'll maybe I'll send me the details. I will. I'll do my own. I could be like the situation of Paris, but <laughs> not with that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, look, I'll submit an entry. I'll go for it. Vasilla should be on there. Vass in Paris. Well, I mean, what a show. He's not an American expat. I know. You but barely speak English at this point, you said. He would be a great side <laughs> character, that I will say. <laughs> He would be the stereotypical creepy Greek guy. (laughs) Yes. He's a great sidekick in my reality TV show. Now, let me ask you this, Eddie. If they did this, but did kind of like a real world situation, would you be willing to go into the house? Like, what if someone contacted you and say, hey, we're doing a real world in Paris. We've heard about you from the Big Chill podcast. We want to get you in the house. Do you do it? Yeah, 100%. Don't think twice. Assuming I'm getting, you know, like pretty well paid, right? I'm, I'm taking this as, as part of it. I mean, not astronomically, but there's a financial incentive for me to take part. Yeah, I'm doing it. I saw the real world when they were in Paris. They did a season in Paris. Oh, did they? Yeah. They got into a fight at the long hop. <laughs> of course they if any, did. Any, if anyone is a real, real world fan out there and saw the Paris season and saw that it's a time they get into a fight outside a bar, that is the bar. Did you break up the fight? No, I wasn't working. Did there. you instigate it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, did you instigate it? Did you egg it on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sam, if they did a real world in London, even though I'm sure they've also done that, would you participate if they asked you right now? You still have to keep your job and everything, but you just live in a house with a bunch of other people. Wait, how does that, is that work? All, is, is that just, all it is? I, I'm just going to be zooming on like a work call while there's some like made up drama going on behind me in the background. Yeah. So I just have to pretend to my work as if life is normal. So it's more like, I guess, a big brother situation. Mm. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I've never seen the real world. Is there anything different to big brother? It's just the real world, not the real uh, world. Uh, yeah, very different in the sense they're not trapped in a house. They do go out um, and they get given challenges to do. They often get given jobs, like very menial jobs that they have to do at the same time. And like that creates part of the content. Um, so it's it's more exciting than being on Big Brother. Like there is stuff going on, okay. but you are living in the same house, sharing rooms with people. And that's part of the drama but you're not trapped there. Okay. It's the, okay. Yeah, I'd be up for it. I don't think I'd be the kind of person for it, but I'd be up for it. I do like those kind of reality shows where like they'll put like 
four single guys, four single girls in a house, and they'll basically just become one big like sex palace. But they also go out on like dates and stuff like that. And they stay like kind of so we're not just all admitting we like porn. Yeah. <laughs> sex, sex palace. That's a yeah. real facilis statement there. Also, I'm now picturing the idea of Sam like walking into the house table. Day one, and just like putting his bag down on the bed. The three other guys sitting right there. And Sam just gonna be like, hey, this is a real sex palace right here. So let's just get to it. They're like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, shouldn't we wait for the girls? No, no, no. We don't need to wait for them. Let's just get going. They'll join if they, if they want to. They actually did one of those shows in my old office. Uh, so it was like a converted out wharf uh, on the Thames in London. And it's where I used to work. And they had obviously like, well, my old company, I guess, had moved out in order for like eight people to move in. <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been a bit awkward. But I, I prefer that idea. I prefer the idea of people. Well, being of like living around an office environment. Yeah. And, just... and just go on as like the rest of the office goes on in, as normal. And these eight people are just turned into like 24-7 janitors and just have to live there for three months. And just pretend like in the background, go about doing interesting things. That's a good idea for a show. And by good, I mean bad, but. Interesting. For one episode, yeah. Yeah, for a single experimental episode. If you had to be on a reality TV show, which one would you choose? Like at any time point in my life? Mm, No, let's say now for the sake of simplicity. Oof, that's tough. I don't think I could do a reality TV show now. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would just get really tired of it really quickly. Would you ever do The Bachelor, Frank? No. No. Like, I don't think I could handle it now. Because, like, it's just too much work, I feel. Like, you always have to be on. I couldn't do it. The one I would choose would probably be Below Deck. But that would be, like, 10 years ago. Is that... I assume that's as it sounds. You live in a ship, or like... yeah, yeah, you work. You they're, work they're on like a yacht. They're You're crew, the crew on, a, on yacht. a yacht. That one will be fun. It's like a less interesting version of uh, Deadliest Catch. <laughs> kind of, except they're on a yacht, <laughs> serving serving and very no rich people and not catching food. But. Uh... I could, I mean, look, you could, you could have been, you could have been, you wanted to be an extra on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. You could have. No, never be on that show. That would just amuse me, I think. I think if if you were on it or if Frank was on it. Either. I think if, depending on if I could define my role on the team, if like I knew, oh, you're going to be on next season and you're just going to be this character who appears in their house from time to time and just makes fun of them or just makes comments, (laughs) I'd be fine with it. So I'm sure that's what they're looking Why? for. Yeah. <laughs> we need some random guy to drop in that's never been mentioned before. And just they come down, the they, and... they come down for breakfast. They're like, who's this guy? <laughs> Who the fuck Jeez, are you? Don't worry, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, I'll, let's spin it. I'll, I'll give you a different one then. If you could be on any game show, which one would you go for? Either for experience or most likely to win. That's tough because whew, there's a lot of factors here. One, like if you say, if you say anything like Jeopardy, 
I think I could do well in Jeopardy, very dependent on the categories. And then there's a chance I look like an absolute fucking idiot. So the risk reward is pretty high there. Then I could decide to go for a show like uh, Deal or No Deal, where it's completely luck guess of the of the case. But then you can also look like an idiot there because you're on Deal or No Deal, and they're all idiots on that show. The the worst thing you can only get on Deal or No Deal. The worst part about Deal or No Deal is just like immediate. I don't know if it was the same in the U.S. where a quarter of a million was the highest one. I don't know if it was like bigger or whatever. It's a million. When when that goes out first not to look bummed out for the whole thing <laughs> like uh great i think deal or no deal is tough because uh, so deal or no deal became really big when sam when you and i were in maybe like our first year of university i think yeah it was, was kind of prime mega. prime deal, deal or, no, or no deal uk meal or and, no meal was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weight, weight loss program. that's a better one yeah or, or homeless people oh <laughs> what's inside this lunchbox a sandwich or nothing oh it's just, it's nothing too bad <laughs> um now the the thing i find tough about deal when i see people on who wants to be a millionaire for example which would be my pick but when i see someone on who wants to be a millionaire unless they come across as an asshole i want them to do well whereas deal or no deal i always want to watch someone lose in heartbreaking fashion like yes. the only way the game is interesting is if their final box is like maximum and minimum and they're torn and then they choose no deal. And then you have to see their hearts and just their life destroyed, life destroyed in front of you. That's yeah. the prime TV. Yeah. And That's I think I, no, it's so true. I, a, a one, an exact moment like that comes to mind where a person literally had, I think like a million or a hundred were the two left and the deal was something crazy, right? Like life altering money. And they chose the no deal because they just felt it. And it was the wrong case. Yeah. And it's just like, how dumb are you? And, and so dumb. the back of my mind, I'm just like, I'm so glad they didn't do that. Cause I want to see how dumb they actually are. It's yeah. a fair point though. Like with who wants to be a millionaire, when people go out on the first question, you do genuinely feel quite bad for them. That you're like, wow. Unless there, in the, there are really moments where the person comes across like an asshole and then I'm happy. But yeah, for the most part, I'm, you, I do kind of cheer for them. Whereas deal or no deal, it's like, you just, it's, it's a series of completely potluck events, unless you're an idiot with statistics, like Frank just mentioned there with like life-changing sums of money and you reject it. But more often than not, you're like, you did bad at picking random boxes. I don't care. But, Almost. But that's the other thing too. I don't think they'd let you on deal or no deal unless during the interview process, you, they go, they say to you, this I think is the only question that they probably in the screening, they deal say Deal or you, no deal. No, they say, <laughs> do you have a system? And if you say, no, it's just random luck. I'm just going to pick numbers. You're not on the you. show. If you say, yes, because my grandmother's cat told me that, you know, prime <laughs> numbers minus four plus the square root of seven is the way to go on deal or no deal. Then they're like, you are on the show. This yeah. is going to be quality content. There was, there was one guy once that got on the British version. And I think that's 22 boxes or 23. I can't remember, but he said, I'm just going to do one to 23 in ascending order. So it's like pick one, pick two, pick three, pick four. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. It's like, is it? (laughs) 
you're, you're yeah, just picking exactly numbers. The same. <laughs> like you're just. Picking I know. Numbers. I know. Look, I, I will say this. I know you. I know that it is crazy. That being said, because it there, if I were on it, I would not do that. I know this sounds so stupid. Like there's no reason why that's any stupider than any other system. But because you know that the num the box the the amounts are not going to be put in in order. Part of me would at least be like, I've got to just pick randomly. Um, the idea of just going in. <laughs> I know it sounds too. Would you really, if you were on deal or no deal, would you just go in ascending or descending order? If, if I set the stall out at the start, I wouldn't change direction. Like if it I said, it doesn't I'm matter what direction you, even if you do change direction, what does it matter? Yeah, because but I'm not like, no, no, but I don't mean, I'm not like, I'm not like going to go on there going, I'm just going to pick one to 23. And they're like, okay, where are you going first? 16. <laughs> you just yeah, cracked under pressure. <laughs> yeah. but, like, but it doesn't matter. That's the thing. I know what yeah. you're saying, Frank, but you look, everyone's going to be real, right? That's like saying, if you go to a roulette table or if anytime you have to pick a number, like everyone kind of tends to feel like, Oh, maybe this number could be a bit lucky or something. I'm not saying I would think I'd have any lucky numbers on deal or no deal, but I think I would just spray around. I'd kind of want oh. to be in a situation. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't Jesus. want to be, I wouldn't want to just follow the order because I would feel like the, it's not going to get, there's no way in which it gets progressively better because they won't have put the amounts in ascending order. So you're kind of ruling out the possibility of having good numbers. If you see what I mean, I know what I'm saying sounds stupid, but you're never going to have a situation where the final five, the largest five amounts are in the five highest numbers. Never going to happen. There is a chance oh, it'll happen. There is a, a chance, chance of, of like, one 100 million chance is the same as the chance of you picking randomly yeah, and the, having the, the last four that you pick it, randomly it, be those numbers it's, too. It's it's actually it's true. It's got every, every eventuality that happens has the same one as what you just said. You're assuming that because <laughs> they don't randomly put the numbers in the boxes. Well, one, one person knows it, the independent. Yeah, the uh, no, <laughs> I'm going to offer you. <laughs> That's the twist. I just like that the banker, I spent forever on deal or no deal, wondering if the banker was a person. Like Did we have a find want, out. Yes. Yeah. Because the guy who hosts, uh, not who hosts, but who does the whatever, Richard Osman, who does mm -hmm. the look stats and stuff on Pointless. He was a producer, I believe, on deal or no deal. And he said that the banker is a person, is a physical person who sits there. It's always the same person who makes the assessment on what the amount should be. So, because for a long time, I didn't even know if when he picked up, you know, I'm going to phone the banker now. Just talking if it was, to no one. Yeah, if it was just like, so what's the number going to be? Oh, oh, yeah, he is doing well. You're right. Oh, you're scared, are you? You should be scared. He seems like he's doing really well. Oh, what's the number? The banker says the number is 12,000. And it's just like, okay. It's just the voices in his head, basically. Yeah, yeah. Now that is a cushy job. That's a dream job. Imagine what hosting a game show or being no, the banker. No, no, no. The banker. What being Noel Edmonds? Oh, okay, being the banker. Okay, <laughs> no, no, being the banker. No, just, Howie Mandel. Get it right. Just how interesting would it be to be like, oh, I'm the banker. I, a, I'd love to know how well paid it is, and if that's literally 
if you have any other role in the show or like if you're a producer, but you also are the banker, or if it's just, you just turn up for this, the, the episodes and you just sit there in a, in a closet waiting for the phone to ring. And then if you get to decide the numbers or if it's a calculation that gets made by a computer, yeah. like there's a whole world I'd love to know um, about deal or no deal. I, do you think he gets, he or she gets commission? Because you're playing every time, no. theoretically. No, but theoretically, every time you can give away a quarter of a million pounds, right? That is that is the ultimate issue. So maybe the lower the amount, the more you get as the banker because you've kind of bluffed someone or semi-convinced them and they've now, come away with 10 Oh, imagine if the twist was the banker gets whatever you don't get. Well, so if so you get 10p, cool. they get 249,000. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So- Maybe maybe we do a deal or no deal vol- like 2.0 where there's a random picker and a random banker. So you get to play the role of the banker. Not a bad idea. If anyone copies this idea, we're going to see. We know. Copyright. Also, pending. Eddie, great question for you. If you win the million or no, say you take the deal of like 600,000, do you tip the banker? <laughs> no way no way i just give him he's openly finger. against you for the whole game it's not like he walks on and gives you the money now here's the thing is i guess with that show right because there was golden balls which had oh. a short but sweet run on british television and i think what it's kind of become a cult classic what is golden balls oh um, jasper carrot presenting yeah, Hard did, to did it, that doesn't answer anything, Sam. <laughs> it's really hard to explain, but fundamentally it's a game where like the contestants bluff each other with the amount of money they have. And there's like these bad balls, I guess. There's killer can, balls. So you draw and... over the course of the game, you're a team and you're drawing balls. And that's kind of like accumulating the amount that you have to potentially win. And then you get narrowed down to two people and then you draw. Um, you work together remember. to get the most amount of money as possible In by drawing random balls. And then at the end, this is where it becomes good. At the end, you get two balls in front of you each, and it is either split the money or steal the money. And it's classic prisoner's dilemma. So if you both split, then you both get half the money. If you both steal, no one gets the money. It's zero. But if one person splits, one person steals, the person who stole gets everything and the other person gets nothing. And obviously and were... you get this like amazing like two minute moment where they talk at each other, go, yeah, split, split, split. And then they don't. <laughs> like... Yeah. And, and there, there were two super iconic moments. One was a girl who, like a fairly attractive girl who insisted to this guy, like, no, you're a really nice guy. Like, people would hate me if I stole it. Like, of course, we're going to split it, split it, split it. The guy gets, like, one over, and then, of course, she steals it. And the guy crumbles on TV. I mean, he just, life goes out of him in that moment. If he had a knife, it would have been in her chest at that point. But he's just (laughs) collapsed on the table. Just, you know, like, as if... As if the final, you know, 97th minute equalizer has just come in to kill the final leg of your accumulator. Like, know that feeling. (laughs) Yeah, just complete emptiness inside. And she, Jasper Carrot, the host, is kind of like, obviously feels bad, also congratulating the girl on having won. She's just kind of staring there, staring at him. Knows she should feel bad, but is also very happy that she's won quite a lot of money. So she's kind of sad, but sort of smiling. That was one pretty viral moment. 
And then the other viral moment was one guy who was like, I'm going to steal. And they were like, what? And he's like, I'm going to steal no matter what. No matter what you're going to do, I'm going to steal. The only thing I will tell you is if you put steal, we're doing nothing. If you put split after the show, I'll give you half the money. But I am going to steal. And the guy was like, no, no, no. Why don't we just split? And he was like, I, I can't trust you. So I'm telling you, I am going to steal. And they, they like negotiate for what I'm sure in reality was probably 30 minutes, but it obviously gets cut down to the like two yeah, minutes. Yeah. And then at the end of it, when they go and do it, he splits. So they both split. But he's like, he basically had negotiated to make sure the other guy was not going to risk just losing the money. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> And at the end of it, the other guy is like, why didn't you just tell me to split? We could have just, just split with you. And he's like, I couldn't, I couldn't know that you were not going to screw me over. I love the horrible lack of faith in humanity that this show always brought on, like every episode. I think the only time I've ever, there wasn't many times where they're both split, but usually you could tell with the personality, like it was two like 65-year-old women or something like that. Now, here's like, the interesting thing. What would you do? Well, I was gonna say, what I was going to say was, I bet you that guy that the ladder that you just told us that story, he probably had that worked out in his head for months watching the it's, show. If I'm ever on the show, this is what I'm going to do. It's foolproof. This is what I'm going to do. And then he got on there and he was like, this is my chance. And he did it. But also, you, you knew he it, was thinking about that for months. But also, that's the only way I could ever come out of it feeling not robbed. If they both steal, I walk away with nothing and I don't look like a dick. If I steal, then I look like a dick, but I'm easily forgotten because three days later, someone else has done it. Uh, whereas if I split and the other person stole, I, I would be devastated that I just lost money. So I think I would go with the same logic of like... And I, I admittedly, the issue with Golden Balls was that it was often for a relatively small sum of money. Yeah, Like it was for sure where they would be splitting 8,000 pounds. Now I'm not saying I'd happily have 4,000 pounds stuck into my bank account right now. Like I'm not going to turn my nose up at it. Right. But it wasn't a situation where you, the two of you are negotiating 700,000 and it's mm. literally a totally life-changing sum of money, even if you split it. And then that person is having it torn away from them. Like I would be upset if someone, if we were playing for 6,000 pounds and they stole the 6,000 pounds, I'd be upset, but I could probably get over it if it would have been for a million. And instead of splitting and getting 500,000, I walked away with nothing because the other person like talked me out of it and then stole it from me. I might just murder them. I might beat them to death with my ball. With your golden ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It says killer, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. I miss shows like that. I don't really feel like there's anything. Like The Chase is fun to watch, but I don't really know what else I watch at the moment. There used to be a cool concept called The Bunker. I don't know if you had ever heard of that, but they, they, they took like 10 people, I think it was, to a World War II bunker, and they, they stayed there for, I think it was like a month, and there was a million pounds up for grabs. And the only way someone would win that money is if everyone unanimously agreed who won the money. So every day they would have this meeting where it's like, have you reached a decision? And every single second that ticks by, they've got like a big ticker of the million and it's just ticking down. 
So every time, every second they waste, it goes down by an amount of money. And obviously during the whole thing, like huge, almost like psychological experiment, right? Of how people are like secretly negotiating with each other, like, oh, pick me. And of course it will go in my bank account and we'll do this. And everyone's like, no, because you would play these like mini games and people would naturally become distrustful. It was a cool concept. I think it only had like one or two variations of it, but I think one of them, no one left with anything because they couldn't agree unanimously, even when it was like 50 pounds, they couldn't agree. Oh, so, once it gets down to that, I would not let someone walk out with the 50. If we'd already screwed the <laughs> thing, done. I would just be like, no, I don't care if everyone agrees for one person, I'm I'm voting against it. But cool We've, concept. It is. There's a YouTube um, channel that does like a similar series of videos where they get a group of people who have something in common. Like I've seen one where they all work for the same construction company and then they all they all I think it's just for a thousand dollars in that instance, or maybe ten thousand, and they all have to decide who gets the money. And then I similarly saw it with like a bunch of students and stuff. I've seen it; they do multiple iterations of this, but kind of the same thing, except each round they vote someone out. So it it it's the reverse process. So it's eliminating one person at a time until the final person gets it. Um it's kind of interesting because they have to, the first thing they have to do is say what they would do with the money. So the construction company won, the boss is like, I'll just take you all out to dinner, you know, like whatever. But the interesting one was the student one I watched, the girl who won it, a ton of them had really good reasons. They were like, oh, um, I think one of them was like, my mother is um, going uh, deaf. So I want to take sign language lessons. One of the other ones was talking about like just trying to pay for off for school stuff. And one girl was like, oh, I'm going to move moving. So I think she was like, I, I, I'm moving away for the summer. I think she was like studying abroad or something. And she was like, I can't rent out my apartment um, that I'm currently living in. So it's just would help me like pay for rent in the same, like not a terrible reason, but it was one of those. It's like, I, there seems like there's a solution here that doesn't require winning money. And she won. Like it was, she just kept quiet and won, which taught the lesson that I took away from now having watched multiple versions of this. You just don't talk. You let everyone else try and justify why they should get it. And in the process, they piss someone off. And then it becomes a battle between those people. Whereas if you just give your reason and then just sit back, don't really express an opinion on anyone else and you just sit quietly, you'll at least kind of get to end game through that strategy. Do they, do they validate the reasons? No, you could say anything. Yeah. You could say like, I could just say I, I'm, I'm, I'm building I, I'm, an orphanage. Yeah. Or I'm, I have an illness and my medical bills are incredible and I need to pay for them. Yeah. Oh. Kind of and then they give you the money and then at the end you go, jokes on you. Only sick thing I've done is win this money. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sam, I know when we were talking pre-show, you said you had a horse racing related story. And I said I didn't know what it was, and then I think I know what it is, or at least might know what it is. So the question is, is this in reference to jockey Adrian McCarthy? Yes. I, yeah, this story is fantastic. Frank, have you seen it? I have not seen this story. Okay. So, so you remember when we were talking about Ursa Murphy, when he was found to have, well, 
according to him, not taken cocaine, but had it in a sex encounter, which makes it even more interesting. So he was like, uh, the French limit is much more stringent than the uh, strict than the British one. So it's 50 nanograms. I can't, I can't that's what, exactly. Because that's what Murphy tested positive in was in the French yeah. system. Yeah. And the British and the, is 150. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a jockey, Aidan McCarthy, Adrian McCarthy. He was regretful because, the, so you know how I said the uh, limit is 150 nanograms, Frank? How much do you think was in his test? So to be, to be clear to listeners, <laughs> 100, 150 nanograms per milliliter is the, per milliliter. Is the threshold. Yeah. I'm going to say 100 times. 150,300 nanograms per milliliter. So a he thousand was... times the limit. <laughs> the good <cocaine. Wow. laughs> Did and he take it while they were testing? Regretful. <laughs> well, he took it. He says he took it like the day or two before with drinking. That's incredible how much coke and alcohol he's taken, then ridden the next day. I think that's impressive. But my point to this is, right, Ursin Murphy is done, vermin delays it, gets a three-month ban, I think it was, three months. I think he's banned for three months from riding. Adrian McCarthy, thousand times over the limit, six-month ban. So my question would be like, if you want to go all in, <laughs> like take Coke every night, take absolute shit tons of the stuff, just have the absolute wild lifestyle. seems like the risk reward is probably just to really go for it rather than be an unfortunate scenario. I don't know what you think, but I think well, Adrian's got the right idea here. Just go hard. If you get caught, you get caught. You're it sounds like his months. life was in a sad place. I'm not sure if he was he was like going hard and just living some wild lifestyle. It sounds a little bit more like he was sitting at home drinking a lot and doing cocaine, which is not it's not quite the uh, you know clubbing partying lifestyle that you might be describing. Um, I guess the other difference here, and I don't know if this is a factor when they decide how long someone is banned for, but is how much they make because for Murphy to be banned for three months is a significant loss in revenue for him just because of the races he go, rides in also the impact it might have on his career in terms of his reputation. Whereas for uh, Adrian Murphy, uh, Adrian McCarthy, sorry, who's much a much kind of riding at a lower level, not making as much money taking him out of the sport for six months might fundamentally end his career because I doubt he's sitting on a pocket of cash, certainly not after his cocaine habit that is significant enough for him to just kind of not earn for six months. Yeah. And, and look, you're, you're absolutely right. Cause he, he came out and said that he was uh, battling depression and things like that. So it's, it's good that he's obviously in a better place now and can be reflective on this and, and, and look, just look at the mistake. Just to be, not to be cynical, and I do believe him in sympathetic, but if you were caught taking drugs, that is what you would say, right? You think you think it's like the easiest get out? If, if I get caught, of... if I get caught tomorrow failing a drugs test and my work asks me what's going on, I have to try and play the only card to get sympathy. And I have to say, look, I'm going, I'm in a really dark place. I've been struggling and I, sh- I know it was wrong and hopefully I can get treatment and get better. I wouldn't just say, I fucking love cocaine. It makes for an amazing night. 
I'm not going to stop because life with cocaine is better. This is amazing. Why are you trying to stop me? Like, that's not going to be. I feel like and you then, might and be all, projecting oh, that. Okay. All you have to do is pop your hat off and they'd believe you. Yeah. And then mid-sentence, snort another line as I do it. Just like, <laughs> you're not going to stop me. Oh, God, it's great. God, I could ride a horse right now. Doing it, doing it on the horse just before the race. But yeah, it's it's a yeah, bit of a Sometimes I get one. on horses and they're gray at the start and they're chestnut by the finish. I just find it slightly strange that, you know, horse racing has had a pretty high profile case. You know, Kieran Fallon, Frankie Dettori, uh, Ursin Murphy, now Adrian McCarthy, uh, the Finley Marsh is another jockey as well. Like they, it, it just, I don't associate jockeys with that level of lifestyle and it seems to be quite common for oh it makes perfect sense to me they need to keep their weight down they need Mm. energy and they also want to have a social life cocaine is like do they though yeah like ryan what and 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 (laughs) i think the like psychologically there's like that whole like the, the high of the ride, right? Where it's like that quick thrill, like your heart's pounding out of your chest as you're like riding to a victory. I think that kind of plays into a little bit too, like getting that rush. I just think it's the personalities of the jockey though. It doesn't come across as people that would. That might be another this. reason though, because you also know the other issue might be you go to like a club or a bar and you tell someone you're a little guy, right? So already people are going to look at you like, oh, look at this tiny little man here. And then you're going to say you're a jockey and maybe some people will leap to, oh, they're boring. So then you have to surprise them and just bury your face in a mountain of cocaine because then you're the life of the party. And then it's like, oh, wow, you flip from being Ryan Moore to Frankie Dettori. Still don't see it. I mean, the idea of like 10 five foot tall men doing cocaine does sound pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it just it just doesn't I I think it's probably to do with like the the fanfare around horse racing, right? It's not a sport associated with any sort of like syndicate or any sort of I guess the gambling is ultimately one of probably and the thing that's associated that's the other issue with too, it, right? right? I think a lot of people in in and around the world of horse racing, drugs like cocaine would be popular. Like the type of people who are going to be big spenders at races, going to sit in corporate boxes, and then one, and then you end up at a night out as a jockey out with a bunch of people who you know work for a law firm or a investment fund or something who've you know bought a share in a horse that you've ridden or something you know something along those lines. Those are also going to be the type of people who do cocaine as well. So it kind of doesn't. But yeah, if, look, if if you told me tomorrow I needed to lose a ton of weight have a ton of energy and, you know, be able to perform kind of on command for very short bursts. I'd, I'd start using cocaine pretty quickly. You would go straight to cocaine. <laughs> like rather than looking at maybe like personal training programs, no, ice tonic cocaine. stuff, <laughs> cocaine. Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to learn a lot about you as a potential sportsman that you immediately go to illegal drugs to command yourself. Yeah, this is, this is why my career fell apart. Reminds me of I started, I watched season one of, of The Nick. 
you ever see that show with Clive Owen? I watched like the first four episodes when they came out. Oh, is it like the sur- I, he, him as a surgeon or something? In the, ni- in the 19th a- century. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, in and, New uh, York. In, yeah, like 1901, yeah. 1905, something like that. I watched Before the first four, I think three or four episodes and enjoyed it. I really like Clive Owen. He's like ne- almost never in a bad thing. Yeah. Children of Men, one of the most underrated, greatest movies. Is Children of, all time. of Men underrated? I feel like everyone says good things about Children of Men. <laughs> Maybe it's not underrated, but it should be higher up Maybe. than it is. It's Tim's favorite. I think movie Clive Owen's time. career should be higher up than it is. I've said that a lot of actors that. are overrated, but Clive Owen is a seriously underrated actor. He's been in a number of really good movies, Children of Men, Inside Man. Oh, Inside Man, another classic and another Tim favorite. Maybe Tim's just in love with Clive Owen. <laughs> oh, I could give one that wasn't very good. I was trying to think of it, King Arthur. Which I one mean, is King Arthur? Great haircuts. <laughs> but yeah i remember that one being distinctly average to be honest i don't really remember many films with him no he hasn't he's not been prolific i think he has done I quite s- a lot of like stage work i think he obviously i wonder if he's hard to work with i sometimes get him confused with gerard butler though that's who such is in a lot of to, bad films that's such he an is insult in a lot to of like if you're yeah. Clive Owen and someone's like, that's such an insult to Gerald Butler no. too. <laughs> it's an insult. It's to not both an of insult. Gerald, no, Gerald Butler Butler's in a lot of wishes films. he could be Clive Owen. Yeah, but Gerald Butler, I think, also looks a little better than Clive Owen does. Used to. He's looks a little rough these days whenever you see Gerald Butler. But yeah, not that Clive Owen's an unattractive guy, but in sure. the Nick he is because he has like that terrible like little mustache that's just underneath his nose <laughs> it's so bad looking but yeah i was i was actually thinking about the nick the other day because i kind of want to it's now more accessible right because it's been it's on by, hbo max now because yeah, they cause, bought cinemax because that was part of the problem originally it was impossible to watch me too like I, I would find an episode and then it would take me like four weeks of deep searching to find a second episode and eventually i just think i got tired of that aspect of it and just gave up if only had cocaine, you'd have no trouble. Yeah, those four it. weeks would have Wait. felt like three hours, and I would have, I would have been like, I just banged yeah. out the nick in in like ten days, guys. And you'd be like, we haven't seen you for Hell. three years. <laughs> Hell, I just performed the nick. <laughs> yeah, and I performed seven surgeries in the same time on myself. Turns out you don't need a kidney. Yeah. So- it's the same thing it, the one of the other podcasts i listened to they were talking about that now it's more available and i was like oh yeah let me go finally watch it so i just finished up the first season the other day and the whole cocaine thing reminded me of everyone was just doing cocaine then and thinking it was great like giving it to patients like crazy that was the like anesthesia or the numbing agent you would give people would just be cocaine <laughs> it's crazy those were the days yeah, and, and, and then Bayer invented. Instead, we just have uh, heroin. Yeah, instead, we're just giving people opiates, and it's much better nowadays. Yep, way better. So, Eddie, I have one more thing for you. Came across my radar the other day. Would this? Well, I, actually, I don't have to ask the question, but actually, I can ask it this way: Not would it entice you to get the vaccine? 
does it entice you to actually fly over to Arizona and get the vaccine tomorrow, knowing that Krispy Kreme will offer will give you a free donut if you show them your vaccination card every day for the rest of the year? <laughs> That's a pretty good deal. I will say that. That's a pretty generous offer. Uh, no, it doesn't. No, but I mean, I'll put it this way. If I lived in Arizona, I would definitely be taking them up on that offer three days a week. Three, three times a day. <laughs> Going in with different haircuts and, and facial hair. <laughs> one with a hat, one with what you've got at the moment, one with a toupee. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's uh, the same one, Sam. <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i don't love donuts to the extent that you think i do oh um, i think you do <laughs> but, sam um, have you ever heard the story of when i brought him the donuts from the states i think i think oh, i have gosh. like i think let's I see think let's see how exaggerated it is in this retelling <laughs> so so i came from the states and i i know eddie loves donuts so I went at the time though, the only place I get to is Dunkin' Donuts. The, this donut shop I wanted to go to was closed because it was really early in the morning, the flight. So I was like, I have to bring it. If I don't bring Eddie donuts, this guy might, you know, he might lose it. So I went to Dunkin' Donuts. I got him He's a few donuts. caged animal. <laughs> oh, oh, for donuts he is. This <laughs> item that I eat maximum of twice a year. Yes, that drives me insane. So... So I have the bag of donuts, the Dunkin' Donuts bag in my backpack. So I go up to his apartment. I knock on the door. He opens the door. He's like, hey, Frank, it's great to see you. And he immediately. Eddie wouldn't say that. This is already exaggerated. He grabs me and and throws me against the wall (laughs) and rips off my backpack to the extent, (laughs) Sam, Sam, he ripped the handles off of the backpack so it became oh, like a, is... a a pack and then two handle straps <laughs> they were separated he then just rips instead of just unzipping it he rips open the backpack grabs the donuts and is just eating the donuts with the dunkin donuts bag and all missy hasn't wait, even come out of wait, the room yet the to wait, say wait, hello are you impl- are you implying and are you implying he's just not even eating the donut? He's just I ate the bag. The bag. He ate the, ate the bag and the donut. Okay. Parts of the bag and and four of the six donuts that were in there before Missy even got out of the room to also say hello to me. Is is that is was that quick? Like like that seems like it would be about five seconds to eat four donuts. It was about I mean, apart from the 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 whole the whole interaction was about twelve to fifteen seconds. And you think he could eat four donuts in fifteen seconds? I watched him eat four donuts and the bag stuffed into his mouth in fourteen seconds. I'll say seconds. this: if I could eat four donuts in fifteen seconds, I would be entering into some competitive eating contest because I would be crushing people. Never also, paid me back time- for the ripped backpack. <laughs> That's. I do like this because uh, by the like 12 months from now, this will be that I 
met you at the airport and instantly like ate it like i got your bag from baggage claim and before you could get it and i ate it and then then it will be like i met you on the plane and i like ripped it out of your hands as you stepped off board and then eventually be like you were boarding your plane and i didn't even i was in midair i was on the way i had taken a flight to arizona just to take the donuts before you even got on board like it's just gonna keep going (laughs) Seems a so bit maybe if, It's not. If maybe then I get to get to go to Paris, I will stock up on the free Krispy Kreme donuts and bring them to you. Yeah, I mean, we, we do have a pretty good donut place in Paris now, actually. It was part of the reason I only ever liked donuts. It's not some passion for donuts. Although a good donut, it's high on my list of like sweet snacks or treats. Like in terms of like pastries go or whatever, a donut is... Hi, I'm, it's not kind of the thing I eat actually a lot in terms of like, I'm more of a savory snack person anyway. So, but now before there was, you, you'd almost never saw uh, donuts in Paris. Now there's a good American donut place. Is it the one that makes you the, the really big donut you have to get for every one of your birthdays, even though you don't <laughs> like donuts that much? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to get it, but yes, but, it, is. but it seems but to you do every year. <laughs> there it is. The last time, Sam, he got a 20 person sized donut and it was no, it's and Missy. no, 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 no. It is, it is a really nice, it's a, it's a huge, it's like a donut cake, but fundamentally it is a donut. It's the equivalent of maybe 10 donuts in terms of total amount. So it's a lot, but it's it's not a crazy amount. And usually have that as a cake because it's just a big donut cake. So you can put other things on it or around it as a cake. However, once I have eaten it with just one other person, but over the course of two days, I will also throw this in. So it wasn't just, I sat down and ate this huge donut by myself in what Frank will claim was like 13 seconds. Yeah. The way I've got it, according to Frank, is somehow you turn primal when a donut is around and you just start like hugging and smashing and slamming uh, you've, things. You've almost it's like a bear. Seen... He's got these big bear claws on him. Uh, he just, Eddie uh, hungry. Well, his head just like goes three yeah. times the size. <laughs> Eddie smelled donut and backpack. Uh, Eddie. <laughs> Might have to go and get one of those donut cakes, actually. You mean you already ate the one that you got yesterday? <laughs> Haven't been. I've actually only had two donuts this year in 2021. I did go to this place. Bone Shaker is the name of the place. No free what? ads. The name of the donut place in Paris is called Bone Shaker. What? Why? I don't know. Just the name they came up with. I wasn't the involved best, in that. The best donut shop in Toronto is, used to be called Glory Hole Donuts. They went for it. Love it. And they make Sam, the donuts. That's, Sam that's went the... there a few times. <laughs> that's the joke. Yeah. I, 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 I went there, but I was disappointed. You sound like you were happy with what you got. <laughs> yeah, Sam. No, Sam went there and loved it. He just never had a donut. <laughs> well, I did. A gluten intolerance. <laughs> that better not be cream. <laughs> What the bagpipe, the pipe of cream. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. uh, no. no, 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 no.
My problem with donuts is that no one just seems to do a standard donut anymore. Like, well, oh, don't get like, me started, Sam. In the UK, a, there's a place a called Donut Land. There's a place called Donut Time in the UK, and the problem is they cost like five pound a donut because they put like two bars of Snickers on it and a Nutella bar and marshmallows, and and then there's a donut below it. It it just it isn't a donut. It's just a lot of stuff on top of something that resembles a donut. Uh, no, I agree. I, I, I keep it simple. I, I yeah, I know what you're saying. I do like specialty donuts, but I also just like the standard cake Please. donut. You know, just like vanilla or chocolate cake donut. But the one by me does a. Have you ever had like the Oreo stuffed donuts, where it's like a the fluffier donut with an Oreo stuffed in it? pretty good but the one here does a pop tart stuffed donut it is very good that sounds disgusting no it is awesome it, it, it is sounds so a bit like an aberration I, I went like but obviously in the uk you don't really get the ringed donuts here you get like the jam filled ones where it's just like that's I don't like a yeah, that's what these ones are on here to me i'm not having a donut unless it's got a hole in the middle to me like if i uh, i'm not i'm not having it if otherwise i think of it as like a beignet or something but like i'm not having it unless I so you don't have like a boston cream donut no i i'm i'm told you i'm a simple man i just want a glazed donut maybe chocolate maybe just chocolate on top but nothing else that's it. i don't know those ones we got in london that time that you ran across the traffic and almost took out like four oh, yeah, cars no, that's, oh, here that, we go that again. was that was in shoreditch that was but we didn't do that you remember like, that i was there the I traffic was, there. was just going and Eddie, was. eddie's like frogger style just running through. <laughs> <laughs> eddie just turned into like the thing from fantastic four just lorries hitting him nothing happening <laughs> i agree so those were nice donuts they were good, good. but they're just There's too much on them there's too much on them. They're too complicated. They're too messy to eat, which is a real thing. Like you're eating it and like, it, it's impossible for stuff not to be going all over your face, all down your shirt. Like, uh, yeah. You're eating it. <laughs> no, but it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's stuff all over the top. I just, yeah. at a certain moment, if I could have said to them, like, can you, you know, before you stick all that stuff on, can you just give me the glazed thing that's underneath? Can I, I think just they had that? just a glazed donut. Been, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. Sure? everything was yeah yeah everything, everything was they had a yeah. they had something approaching i have the menu on my phone so we'll look go for it all right well i guess with that I'll wait till next week all right i'll talk to you boys later see ya.